Hello? Hello? Dad? <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the show. This is It's a Wonderful Movie. I am Sada. I'm joined with Jana. And today we are talking about 2016 hit Arrival, directed by Denis Villeneuve. Jana. Did you guys like our intro? I wasn't leading it. <laughs> oh, God. Sada came up with this great idea. I'm going to let her take the raids because I can't. I'm just not capable of I, doing it I on my own. Just trade. We're, we're going to feel it out. We're not going to make any promises to anyone. Mm -hmm. um, Jana, are you someone who believes in aliens? Just to begin. I wow. I haven't thought much about this, but if someone told me aliens are real, I would believe it. <laughs> I feel like they have to be real. Not the like caricature version of aliens that we've come to know, but, you know... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Not like the green, like not the alien emoji that's on your iPhone. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Other beings, which this movie does well. They don't have like the typical. Yeah. And they also, I noticed they like kind of, they kind of avoid the word aliens. Mm -hmm. It's only said a couple of times throughout the movie. I don't know if you noticed yeah, that. What do they call them though? Others. Others. You're right. Yeah. No, 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 you're right. Um, or they refer to them as they. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very gender neutral pronouns. We're really proud. You're right. Yeah. The aliens are progressive. Yes. So. <laughs> Um, this is a good time to do the summary then. So this movie, again, came out 2016, was critical success. Um, everyone we know loved it, so we assume the public adored it as well. But it follows the story of um, Louise, who's played by Amy Adams, and she is kind of this uh, renowned linguist. And so all of a sudden, these 12 pods arrive all over the earth that contain these aliens or contain the others. And suddenly the challenge is one, getting all the countries to work together and figure out what's going on. Is this an invasion, what have you? And secondly, trying to identify kind of a language, a shared communication with the aliens. And so you see Louise coming out together with Jeremy Renner. Ian. Ian, but what, well, he's a scientist of some sort. A physicist, I think. Okay, so he's helping her in her journey. And then Forrest Whitaker plays um, Colonel Weber, who is kind of um, the one who's in charge of the whole operation. And so eventually, spoiler alert, you, you realize that the, the others have come to kind of offer help to humanity because in 3,000 years, the quote-unquote aliens will need help themselves. And so basically, they gift humanity with their language. And the idea is if you understand the language that these others are speaking, then you'll be able to perceive time differently in a nonlinear sense. So you kind of see Amy Adams, the whole entire movie, have flashbacks or flash forwards. You're not sure what's going on as an audience member. And then you see like her vision of time becomes nonlinear and she starts to process things differently and she can kind of see her whole life at once and it ends up being very emotional and it's just the best movie ever. So. I also want to talk about how the movie plays, uh, the music in the movie plays up the emotions so well. This is one of our favorite, like one of our favorite scores ever and maybe even songs on the nature of daylight by max richter i wish we were a legit thing where we could actually play the audio for you it's so beautiful the movie starts with this yeah. score playing and it ends with it playing and it just really builds up all of your emotions like this is a song i could cry to without watching this movie oh, it's absolutely. so so beautiful it's, yeah you, you if you've seen shutter island you'll see it in shutter island it was used there as well and then the original movie it was played in i don't remember the name i think it was disconnect or something like that but um yeah, is this your favorite score of all time? It is, and I, I, I like you're saying it's, it's been used multiple places, and I feel a lot of scores have been like modeled after it. Like mm -hmm. when I was watching The Crown, I told you I was like a lot of the sounds like on the nature of daylight, and yeah. I went to go see if it was the same composer, and it wasn't. But I feel mm -hmm. like people have taken 
they must have taken inspiration from this. It's so beautiful. I know. I mean, I don't understand how, I think we don't talk enough about scores on this podcast, but there's an interesting question of, would this movie be as impactful without those opening and closing scenes with the music? And like, we're not the only ones who notice the score and love it, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how people build scores, but for you, is it like now that you've gotten more into this kind of movie music type thing, do you feel like it's one of the more important things you pay attention to? usually no Mm -hmm. which i i pay attention like after the fact after i've heard and i like add it then i like i'll go back to the movie and then Mm -hmm. i'm more focused on it but like while i'm watching movies for the first time 90 85 90 percent of the time no what do you what's the first thing you pay attention to the dialogue (laughs) (laughs) okay so yeah you have the director the script the actors yeah music the way it's filmed let's say yeah they're like five things that catch your eye first for you it's the writing yeah interesting yeah i focus on what they're saying Mm -hmm. because it's the score is like background noise you know so like you don't realize the impact a score has on a movie until it's something that you start focusing on or like even with like the bachelor that you like we like (laughs) yeah she she took a gulp she rolled her eyes (laughs) but we know that like in you know dull moments they play music to make it more interesting and then when it's completely quiet it's because the scene is playing out first this is the second time that we've only talked about scores twice on this podcast and both times you brought up the bachelor (laughs) oh well anyways I, I would say, actually, though, more and more to me, the score is, the, the reason why music is important in movies is because it can do things that, like, the acting and the direction and the writing can't. Like, it really it's can an enhancement. in the moments, yeah. It's like makeup. Mm-hmm. So it can, it can really make or break, like, if you, I don't know, there should be a test somewhere, like, if you take one of your favorite movies and then put a score that doesn't make sense, like, how does that change the experience? I'm sure there are some YouTube videos where people have done that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, this score for me is in, it's in my top fa- top five. I, I really do love it. What's number one? Well, I have I have the rest. I'm okay. So so on. I, so I wrote this down not to be pretentious, but if you want to get into it, and you want some good ones. No, I want to get into it. Teach <laughs> okay, me. Okay. So the first one is "Safe Now" by Henry Jackman. I would say that's probably tied with uh, "On the Nature of Daylight." Where um, is it from? Uh, Captain Phillips. Okay. And Jonathan oh, and Captain Phillips. I cried. So, it. so <laughs> see, the music is working. <laughs> The second is Cornfield Chase, but the instrumental version oh, by Hans Zimmer. And really Interstellar. Beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. And then yeah. Solomon from 12 Years a Slave, also by mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer. And Time from Inception, also yeah. by Hans Zimmer. But that one's a classic. These that are all very really, notable yeah. scores, yeah. So these are these are the five that I'll listen to when I'm studying. I don't have a list because I didn't know we were doing this. Well, I, okay. Well, actually, okay. I, I do want to give a shout out to. <laughs> La La Land. Actually, La La no. Land's score is gorgeous. I'm pulling it up. It's, um, it is from... It's not Nightcrawler. It has Amy Amy Adams oh, and Jake Gyllenhaal. Nocturnal animals. Nocturnal animals. Yes. Yeah, that one's beautiful. Yep. You also love She Remembers by Max. I do. Yeah. yeah. Yep. See that? She knows me very well. Also, A Thousand Times Good Night by yeah. Abel Korinzowski. Oh, that was actually good. Jenna. Good job. I had to take a second. Yeah. Well, anyway, so if you're listening and you're interested in that. Um, there we go. Should we do general questions? Yes. We jump into it? Okay. In a reality where there are aliens who arrive, what would they look like? How would we respond? Like all these countries at first start working together in this film and they all kind of become very secretive and mm-hmm. become very suspicious of one another. 
I, I actually feel like ironically, like this is very similar to how it would happen. How it would happen, maybe, but is this are the way the aliens look? Is that how you envision them? No, not at all. They kind of look like feet at a first glance, and then they're kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't want it. It's like half an octopus, yeah. like squid, kind of. No, no, no. They're, yeah. they're heptapods. Yeah, so you're, you're not far off. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because every version, like obviously, our idea of aliens, quote unquote, is going off of movies and TV, and every version they like have features that are similar to us. Like they have the bot, like they're. They have the two legs and the two arms. Usually they have like some features that we can identify with. But realistically, if they're from another planet, they could look, I mean, it could be something like what you see in this movie. It could be really outrageous. Yeah. Do you think they would arrive in these kinds of pods? It's possible. I mean, if we assume if they're able to come here. Yeah. That we assume then that their technology is far more advanced than ours, right? right? If they can make the trip here, because when we like measure, you know, light speed and Mm -hmm. time, it would take us years, like some like thousands of years, right, to even get to certain places. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's possible. I think in my head, I would have envisioned something that even seems more technically spectacular Mm because we don't really see inside their ship, right? we We don't. They're just when. Luis is kind of taken, mm-hmm. you know, through and they're, she's talking with them more directly. It's yeah. kind of just like a cloudy mm-hmm. space, exactly. a white cloudy space. So we still never see what technology they have, but we they, assume it's yeah. very advanced. Yeah. It's basically like each pod has like two of these beings and um, the movie for like for, from, for Arrival follows Louise and Ian as they're like basically all the, every time we see the, the, the beings, they're interacting with the two of them. So it's like we only ever really get to see them as they like come to the glass barrier mm-hmm. and they try and write and communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Do I you think know. that they, so the communication style that they have with them, right? It's mm-hmm. through a glass barrier. Do you think that the, the others were like that intelligent where they're like, we need to have some kind of barrier between us. Cause we don't know how the humans are going to react towards us. Uh, are they going to be aggressive immediately? They, they know that it turns out, right? Like there, there are so many good Easter eggs in this movie, mm-hmm. but um, there's like the, the little thing with the bird in the cage that mm-hmm. they keep taking up to see the alien to see if the bird's reacting well to the environment, if the bird can still breathe. So they know that the area where Ian and Louise are there, it's oxygenated. They can breathe. It's mm-hmm. fine. So the aliens have to know like what the humans are, what environment they're used to. And again, yeah, they don't know how they're going to respond. They know far more about us than we know about them. And it's because of how they perceive time, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, the time thing. Okay, so next question for you. Oh, wait, you want to? No, go. Well, I was going to say, do you think of this as a time travel movie? Oh, I didn't. It has the elements of it. Yeah. And I I like that it doesn't you don't immediately go there yeah. you know that she eventually louise when she learns their language mm-hmm. and understands them that she's able to see view time differently than we can mm-hmm. but you don't think of it as a time travel movie and yeah. i think it's because of the use of like linguistics and the way that they really like language is a very important element and yeah. they related a lot to time here it's, it's weird this movie could have been overly sciencey but it's not mm-hmm. even though you have ian who's like the more physical scientist but it focuses more on like the the, the importance of language yeah it talks about language and it doesn't get too lost and like like there there are things that we have to sacrifice to get along with this movie like the part where louise is going up and drawing signs on the barrier is a bit much where she's the scene where she's literally next to the being yeah in their chamber it's i like, think she's the whole time she's trying to find a way to emotionally connect with them because yeah. she was there are a lot of moments where we see that other countries you know 
the world is kind of sharing their mm-hmm. intelligence that they're finding from these beings, mm-hmm. right? As they try to figure out how to communicate with them. And a lot of places are trying to make a game with them or trying mm-hmm. to you know, use forms of aggression. Yeah, and she's so against that because she doesn't want them to perceive everything as a game, mm-hmm. you know, because then that means that there has to be a winner and there has to be, Sorry. you have to make, find a way for the others to lose. Yeah. That's what's great about this, this movie ultimately <clears throat> is it does go down more the social science route mm-hmm. rather than the hard, mm-hmm. like physical sciences. It doesn't get Yeah. Lost it's an amazing contrast. You're right. Yeah. And like it, it, even though we have to suspend reality in order to kind of like go along with the movie, it's, it's, it's balanced enough and never teeters too much to mm-hmm. one side. Um, so I love it. I did want to bring up something, though, I've kind of found about language. Mm-hmm. Um, I found an article this morning. So it's titled, by, it's written by The Independent. It's titled, Bilingual Speakers Experience Time Differently from People Who Only Speak One Language Study Finds. Oh. So I kind of wanted, I, I did some quick internet research because I remember there was something you had told me about some European country, their language, that it causes oh, them yes. to perceive time differently yeah, yeah. than us, right? And was it Denmark? Where was no, it? No, so this was, I can never remember the exact countries, but I remember Finland being one of them. Mm-hmm. But um, Europe, if you'll remember how Europe looks, there are like the three countries at the top, kind of near Russia, I think Finland, Sweden, and Norway. And culturally, the three of them are very similar. I, don't quote me on this because my memory of this is hazy. But the way that they use language impacts the way that their each country's population views um, finances. Mm. So one country really focuses on kind of the past and um, past, present, and future. So they, the, the present for them is different from a future time. And so within that country, the people there have a very hard time saving money <clears throat> because people there think, oh, I can always just save money in the future. I don't need it right now. I'll need it in the future. So that's something I'll do later. The other country, it might be Finland or it was Sweden. Um, those are the two in question. But the other country, for them, the present is the future. Mm-hmm. They never really distinguish between like now and where they'll be like, their language doesn't really account too much for the future time so for people when they're saving money they're saving money for now they're not saving money for see later. that's interesting because this article it talks about so there are two professors um professor professor athana polos and um professor bylon they explain that bilinguals often go back and forth between their languages consciously and unconsciously right oh. and they actually talk about sweden and english so they oh. say swedish and english speakers refer to physical distances as taking a short break while spanish speakers refer to physical quantities and fall a volume taking a small break oh, interesting. so they the different languages refer to time differently um and then um it also talked about how if you speak multiple languages, if you're bilingual, um, you're kind of more considered flexible thinkers than like one person who speaks one, uh, than a person who speaks one language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I like, you know, when you're, there are so many different theories on language and how we develop language and mm-hmm. how we think. This is kind of a good transition to one of the scenes in the movie. One of my most notable scenes is, um, the scene where Louise is dreaming and she's talking to Ian and he asks her about like this language hypothesis. Um, and she goes, Oh, you're talking about the Sap- uh, Sapper Wharf hypothesis, which I've read this about. And so this is a linguistic relativity, relativity hypothesis. And it basically refers to the idea that the language one speaks influences the way they think, they think about reality and how they perceive things. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a strong and a weak version. So the strong version basically says the language we speak determines and constrains the way we view, the way we think and view the real world. This, this kind of aspect of the hypothesis is somewhat discredited, 
Um, a lot of people believe in the weak version. The weak version of this is that the language does influence to some extent the way we think and view the real world, however, it does not fully determine or constrain it. Mm. Um, so a lot of people think that's true. But basically this hypothesis comes up in the movie that like Louise and Ian are, are training themselves to think in a new language that they have no basis for. There's no like similarity in the you know human world that they can relate it to. Mm -hmm. So like how does that affect the way you think and perceive and communicate yeah. and empathize and everything? And it's fascinating because that's one thing we'll never have perspective on. Like we can never think, you know, if we spoke a different language, I mean, aside from Arabic, right? Like how- So you do have a different, language. you do have that perspective. I'm saying like something so foreign like yeah. this, just wondering what that would be like yeah. if we're communicating literally in symbols. And yeah. I don't, I don't know. As foreign as like what yeah. the whole entire world is currently used to in its exactly, state, right? Okay. Exactly. Well, not the whole entire world. There are a lot of native mm -hmm. nations where they're like, they're- form of written communication is through symbols exactly. and whatnot yeah yeah this is so i wish we had mom and dad or someone on this podcast like um i remember my boyfriend when he came here he said like the first time he dreamt in english because he learned it when he mm -hmm. came here he like freaked out and when his told was told his english professor yeah. and was like so excited so like i've always asked people who where english isn't their native language i go do you guys think now in mm -hmm. English or Arabic? And my mom is like, she thinks purely in Arabic, in English now. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that interesting? Dad, yeah. who knows what language he's thinking? <laughs> <laughs> could be on an unknown language. <laughs> G could be fooling all of us right now. He could have his own written symbol. He yeah. could be the others. He could be one of them. We have no idea. But it's amazing to see like, you know, we think often about like what our parents were like growing up and now that they live here, they speak English, they're kind of immersed in a very different culture. Seeing them interact with family when we go back to the men is just a whole different experience. Like you have to wonder how much, I mean, obviously there are a lot of cultural influences, but just being a part of the language, how much did that change? How much does the their personality immediately shift? And yeah. I think we see it with our dad. Dad's personality immediately shifts to fit in Lebanon, where yeah, my mom comments on it. She's like, you just blended right back in, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. What's one of your notable scenes? Um, okay. So, I mean, I already mentioned this, but I just, I wrote down the opening scene score. Like just the fact that the movie started with something so powerful, I, I think it kind of hints that it's going to be a very emotional and deeply moving film. Um, and then the other one, um, when you're hearing the voices for the first time on the tape or what they think is voices, oh, you know, yes. when the, um, when uh, a, a, a Colonel, that's how Colonel you say Weber. Colonel Weber. Yeah. I was, I was like, is that how you say Colonel? <laughs> is it Colonel? I don't use the word often. I forgot. But yeah, you don't even, he brings the, the tapes with the alleged voices over to Louise and he's asking her if she would be interested in helping them perceive this. And mm -hmm. it's just a, a few like sounds and you don't even realize like that these are essentially voices that you're hearing. It's just kind of a very... It, it, it's hinting at where this movie is going to go, I think. Yeah. yeah. What's great about that scene, too, is you realize who Louise is. Like, I want to mm -hmm. talk more about her character when we get to the Bechdel stuff, but, um, like, she immediately knows to ask kind of the right questions. Like, are there two people speaking? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what could you see through their mouths? What were you able to distinguish when they were making these sounds? Like, I would hear that and I would just say, these are grunts. Like, <laughs> yeah, you are just like movements. You wouldn't even think that it's an actual yeah. language that's being exchanged. And you just really understand the gravity. Like you're really starting from ground zero with others, mm -hmm. you know? And it's, I mean, obviously different cultures have clashed and people have been able to learn languages. This is not a new problem per se, but it's just happening on such a large scale. It's happening all over the world. Mm -hmm. And nobody's united. Everybody's taking a different approach. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy.
Oh uh, yeah, I love the opening montage as well. You're kind of always getting hints of like uh, Louise's life with her daughter, and you're not sure is this it was happening? A, a is flashback? Is she damaged? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we didn't mention, but her daughter dies eventually of um, cancer of a very rare disease. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. she's like a teenager. Yeah, it seemed like she was at least over twelve. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the next scene I'd written down was the form, the language the hypothesis scene. Mm. Um, the scene after that that I wrote down is I like all the interactions we get with the heptapods, but um, specifically the one where there Louise is like, "What is your purpose?" and they mm-hmm. say, "Offer weapon," mm-hmm. and then how immediately the tone changes, and then how everybody starts shutting off their Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. What's amazing is we're watching this in the age of Zoom, but basically yeah. each foreign country is communicating through Zoom, and then once each country like starts to kind of decipher what these heptapods want, they just start shutting off their screens, and no one's communicating with each other. So it's kind of like we have to protect ourselves, yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. The world turns its back on one another. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then when they when they go back, when Louise goes back to try and clarify what's happening. Mm-hmm. And you see that the, the that there's a bomb that's been set up in the heptapods by like, some rebel sword soldiers and whatnot. Yeah, I, I don't even think they were rebel soldiers. I mean, the, I mean, rebel in the moment where they decided that they're. I thought that was an order. That was not. A no, they thing. were. I think they were just. They were some. Yeah, rogue soldiers. Yeah, they planted oh. a bomb in the Montana craft. Because I was gonna say, I mean, only a man would do this. You mm-hmm. don't even know if the aliens are gonna resp- like. Would a bomb even affect them? Could they not sense this coming? Like, you don't even yeah. know what you're shooting at. Yeah. It, well, <laughs> you know it was just, a, you know, I think they were just, it's again, you, you're seeing something you never thought you would see in your lifetime and it's on your planet. And when you're hearing, this is where the heptopods, I, uh, it's, the weapon was clearly the mm-hmm. wrong word to exactly. use, but they don't know any better. So yeah. when, you know, you have soldiers who are trained to fight mm-hmm. and protect against weapons, this was kind of the reaction in the moment, I guess. Which, I mean, is all horrible, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's to say there's a right response? They're just simple, you, you know, the, the heptopods are just dealing with simple humans <laughs> really? left and right. Not they're just the rogue soldiers, but the whole world, they you know? We back, have to deal with emotions and shit. They go back to their chamber and go, what idiots? <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to take hours, we've been here for days! <laughs> I wrote down too. I think like it's the first time we see their markings. We see the interactions. You know, Amy Adams. She on right board on a whiteboard. She's like, maybe I should try to use written language um, to communicate. And so she writes down human. And then we see something steps forward. This foot is walking, <laughs> and they use their claws, quote unquote, to place the markings on the window. Yeah. And so that's kind of when Amy thinks that. Um, I'm sorry, Luis. Amy Adams mm. we see the, you know she thinks that you know if I'm giving them a word they're placing their marking on the on the window mm-hmm. on the glass of what that word is for them yeah. but and then she also I love I didn't write down too many scenes because I love like all all for me like a big part of the movie is like all the little scenes where we see Louise kind of like sh- shut people down with yeah. like things about language things that we take for granted exactly. so like this she's talking I think she quickly realizes after this moment right that um even like the markings that the others put on the window when she's giving them mm-hmm. a word is different than the actual verbal language that yeah. they use right yeah. yeah so i think all those little moments where she like just drops this like small like piece of knowledge that's so mind shattering <laughs> it's 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 so it seems so insignificant but it's really impactful that's why there, there's i don't think there's a bad scene in this movie it, mm-hmm. it's not a minute too long like everything you need like the, the scene where louise is writing you know colonel weber's telling her like we need to speed this up we're talking to them for a while we need to finally ask them why are they're here and she kind of writes on this question what are you doing here on mm-hmm. the board 
And she goes, if I ask them this, that means they have to have the same understanding of your. And if they have the same understanding as your, that means they have to know this. Like, just kind of like you're saying, what we take for granted mm -hmm. in our communication. Yeah. It's like, you have to be on the right playing field or the words mean nothing. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about how when she shows the word human on the whiteboard and they make a symbol, I was like, what if that symbol wasn't even responding to the word human, like that your entire basis for the language is off that, mm -hmm. like you, you really have to, it's such an insane process. But I do feel like, again, this is how it would happen. Mm -hmm. I would assume it would be similar to this yeah. if we found ourselves in this situation. Yeah, there's a whole science to it. This was kind of my response to you yesterday when we were watching it. There's a whole science to it that we don't even understand. Yeah. So the basis, they could be very much on the right track and exactly. we just don't. I, it's, I didn't realize, again, language is something we take for granted. I didn't realize the depth of science that is involved with linguistics. Which and it's really like, when you go like, oh, they just teach, like this person just teaches like a language. You're like, oh, okay. You don't understand. You don't think about like, you just kind of put it off and you mm -hmm. don't think about the importance. Which is why Ian is brought on board to talk about like how often do symbols come up? Mm -hmm. What is like the curve of the, basically mm -hmm. everything kind of looks like a giant circle. They're symbols, but they have little peaks and stuff mm -hmm. that differentiate the sentence the haptopods are trying to say. So Ian's kind of like, like the physical math analysis he's doing of all the, mm -hmm. the symbols is, is incredible. There is a moment too with uh, Colonel Weber Mm -hmm. and Luis were, I think you have to remind me, he was asking her, why are you teaching them how to read and write first, right? And what was, do you remember that, that whole conversation? Was, that, yeah, I think that's when she put the question up on the board. Yeah. She's like, this is why, or are yeah. you talking about the kangaroo scene? The kangaroo scene, yeah. Yeah, where she basically tells a story um, of how this guy arrived in Australia. I don't know, basically. Or, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if it was Australia. It might have been somewhere in Africa. Yeah, but, but some island. But um, the the meaning of the word kangaroo, what we know it as now, was not like what the natives were trying to mm -hmm. say. They were trying to point at something different. Yeah. And it became like a, it yeah. was just an example of how miscommunication happens. But mm -hmm. yeah. Any other notable scenes? I mean, my last one is the phone call to General Shang. Uh, the whole the whole i mean that whole ending that where it all montage. comes together oh my God. it's so powerful and that's when we learn you know so that's kind of as we're learning that the language that the others are giving to the human it's a mm -hmm. gift so that they can see into the future see like them see time differently understand that their time is non-linear mm -hmm. and this clicks with louise and <laughs> that you know at this point um the world is kind of ready to attack the others mm -hmm. um in general shang of china uh, was ready to like attack you know uh, launch an attack and so Louise is kind of she's having this flash forward mm -hmm. where she, she sees him you know they're having a conversation she's kind of living it it's not even that she's seeing it yeah which I think is important to say she's living these moments it she's looks like yeah and so he's telling her like I've been wanting to meet you the day that you called me and you whispered my wife's last words like changed everything mm -hmm. and that's when she realizes okay I'm I'm the one who kind of stopped the attack and I called General Shang and I must have told him something over the phone that convinced him to yeah you know sit you I, know and, at yeah at this point in the movie China's the one who's kind of leading the mm -hmm. aggressive response yeah they want to you know attack the yeah the, the pods yeah and this is when we see the attacks are being called off and then the nature on the nature of daylight plays again and you see louise so it turns out her husband the whole time has been ian uh -huh. we have this daughter together who unfortunately will you know she'll pass away and you realize why their marriage didn't work and louise like, can see that her daughter is going to pass and yeah. she told ian that and then he it's something he couldn't handle exactly. and so which is i actually had as a question okay because i wanted to have a little bit of a problem section my, my oh god things i'm skeptical up here 
here. Do you want to bring? Well, my question was, so Louise asks Ian in the movie, if you could see your whole life from start to finish, would you change things? And uh, would you want to know? Because clearly Ian was on the side of not. And Louise was kind of stuck in what she she did yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an it's uh the having knowledge can be a burden, mm-hmm. right? It's not. It's you know, knowledge is power, but it can also really be a burden. I don't know if I could see my whole life from start to finish. I don't think I would change things. I just feel like it would be too much pressure to constantly try and. I wouldn't want to mess with things. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a believer that like the way it's laid out is how mm-hmm. it's meant to be. If but... there can be something catastrophic that I can avoid, maybe, but like just the idea of, I don't know, but then you have the question of, is it fate or do we have will? And like, it's, you know, if, is it, is it my destiny to go through certain things or can I still make a difference? I don't know. I just wouldn't want to know. I wouldn't want to know. I just wouldn't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. If I can avoid it, that would be, that'd be great. Yeah. But my, my kind of, my issues with the movie, one of them is mainly, there's a point where Louise is talking to her daughter and she says, you know, something that's a force of nature, meaning the cancer, something horrible is going to happen. And Mm -hmm. I know about it, but you know, she's basically hinting to her young daughter, like, yeah. you're going to die from a really rare disease, and the daughter's not processing it that way, sure. But I actually didn't take it like that. Why even go there? Why even... This is what I was going to ask really you. What me. would compel her to actually tell Ian, knowing something like this? Is it that she was so overwhelmed she had to tell him? It was a moment of weakness, being a human, you know, we're emotional in yeah. comparison to the heptapods yeah. that we, you know... I, I that I don't understand. I mean, I don't think I could keep it to myself either, though. You have to understand, like, but I wouldn't tell my partner. Story, yeah, but you're assuming in the story that she's kind of the only one who understands what time really is, right? Having that burden mm-hmm. and never being like, I just which is she also, has to tell someone. Which is also interesting to me. That means like that Ian didn't really ever pick up their language in the end, did he? No, but he mm-hmm. just kind of went along. Mm-hmm. well i mean he under he helped develop the language yeah. of course but he yeah, didn't he pick didn't, it up in the way that she did yeah they chose the the heptapods chose her so is so it is a thing where they choose certain people i think so because they landed in 12 different places right yeah. i think that you're trying to find here's what we're assuming we're assuming the heptapods they're on email some sort they're communicating <laughs> maybe twitter right <laughs> and so they're like have you found a scientist yet that we can tell the truth to what's the deal and then Abbott and Costello, who are the heptapods that uh, um, Amy Adams is working with, go, we found the girl. Her name's Louise. We're going to tell her the truth about humanity. And they unfortunately give her that burden. So did they not? I don't think so. So, but if they can perceive time, you know, if they can essentially see into the future, wouldn't they have known it was Louise all along? Why would they have had to land in 12 different places? Oh, because they're trying to find her. Well... See, or is it the, the nitty gritty, yeah. right? And we're we're gonna kind of dismantle. I never the... took it as they knew it was her. I thought that they. I think they knew that someone on the earth will pick it up. Like we can. It, I think eventually it would have all been figured out. Yeah. Right. But it wouldn't. It doesn't. It wasn't necessarily just gonna be Louise. Mm-hmm. I agree. I can agree with that. But you said it yourself, right? Like we we're not considering this a time travel movie. It's not about your past, present, or future per se. It's everything. If you believe time is nonlinear, you're kind of believing that everything is happening in this kind of, not a circle, but like there are different points in your life. They're happening at different points in time, but you're experiencing them in one moment. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have a past, present, or future Mm. because everything is kind of in this loop. I see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So 
did, I don't think the aliens could, like saw into the future quote, where they were quote, at that and were point. Like, it's yeah. Louise, get the girl with the red hair. <laughs> Always the girl with the red hair. I know. It makes me want to have red yeah. hair. So that was my one kind of you know skepticism for this movie. The second skepticism is: Are there parts of this movie that are too convoluted? Like, imagine you're someone who's sitting in the theater. You really have to get to the end for the payoff. Either that ending mm-hmm. is going to work for you, or it's not, and yeah. you're going to leave pissed off. Yeah. Like, imagine being someone in the theater who gets to the end of the movie and goes, "What the fuck happened? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense." Yeah, there are moments where, like, between you know, like when Ian and Louise are looking at the computer mm-hmm. and figuring out certain things, or there, you know, there was yeah. that moment where. Ian was kind of catching up the audience on like what's been happening over the you know some the few time you know the time that's been passing while they're studying the haptopods yeah it is kind of convoluted and it's it's just a quick band-aid like Mm -hmm. just to glaze to like move the movie forward I think yeah and they're like well you're not going to understand this audience so we're not going to explain we don't need to explain the science this is like enough of an explanation the movie is really banking on you just getting to the end and kind of not tearing the film apart just kind of accepting whatever you're given you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's not meant for you to go back and watch certain scenes and try and pick apart what they did yeah who are your mvps uh Luis. yes the aliens oh. abbott and costello okay you're right. and then uh ian and i was like oh my god and jeremy renner pick oh, how unbelievable for renner. me i know what did you think? Okay, so I wrote down in my general thoughts that I like Renner best when he, he when he's in roles like this, yeah. where he kind of doesn't have to be showy. He's kind of more of a quiet, reserved background mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's just processing things in the background, kind of like a supporting role. I like him best like the that. Scientist, yeah, the scientist. Yeah, I think he plays that well. I think, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a version of Jeremy Renner that can be really just annoying and mm-hmm. not likable and then there are versions where he's like my favorite person to see on the screen mm-hmm. and i really like him in this movie yeah is there anyone you would have recast in his place oh i didn't think of that either no hmm. that i would recast yeah. or who could no i wouldn't recast anyone if yeah. i could think of someone matt damon would have been too overpowering no i feel like matt damon i mean his star presence would have been yeah, I think I think Jeremy Renner has less of like a star power presence. Okay, okay. Or you know, it, he can like, dim it. He can pull it back. Yeah. Where we would have been like, oh my god, Matt Damon and Amy Adams on screen together. Yeah, like you don't get that same vibe with Jeremy and Amy. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, I don't really know. Kyle Chandler? No, Kyle Chandler. Yes. Was, <laughs> as a scientist, was like a colonel. No, Someone I in the. To be the scientist. Okay. Okay. He would pull out that coach Eric Taylor. Yeah. He's just supporting. A little bit messy. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> so good. I like that. Shana. That's great. Mm. I was going to say Jude Law, actually. Jude Law would have been good. I could see him. With the American accent? Yeah. I could have seen him. <gasps> what? Daniel Craig. Oh. It would have been really yes. good. Well, really, really good. Kind of look alike a yeah. little bit, no? Um, who are your LVPs? I wrote down the rebel so- soldiers. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, otherwise, even Colonel <laughs> Weber, I would kind of throw him in there because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't really tell what side he's ever on. He's easily like, swayed back and forth. Yeah. But I think it's just also like the situ- it's circumstantial. Like that's just the circum- uh, the situation that they're in. I agree. So I don't blame him for but the, ro- the rogue soldiers I could have done mm-hmm. without them trying to kill. Yeah. Abbott and Costello. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. You kind of form an attachment to them. <laughs> you do. Yeah. You do. Um, okay, my MVPs. So I said Renner and Amy Adams, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Ian and Louise. Um, Denis Villeneuve for directing. We gotta have a conversation about him being, you know, as a director in the Stan Age. Um, <clears throat> and lastly, I put Michael Stahlberg 
He plays the agent who's kind of always butting heads with Louise the whole movie. Mm -hmm. But I like this actor. He shows up a lot. He's always consistent. Sometimes he plays the asshole, but I feel like he's good at it. Yeah. He's like, and you know, his character is never wrong per se. Like he mm -hmm. talks about how obviously him and Louise are coming from two different perspectives. She wants to build the communication. He wants to protect themselves. Right. And so he's like, you know, there have been invasions before, like when Germany invaded Rwanda, right? Or, you know, like, or, you know, Germany invades France, like, we've seen this stuff before, we cannot let ourselves fall into the same patterns, just because you want to be friends with the aliens. Mm -hmm. Like, there, there are moments where he's like, he really brings the gravity, and you understand, yeah. like, if this situation goes south, we would be fucked, right? Yeah, like, we don't know how powerful the heptapods are we don't know what we're dealing with yeah so. like in in like the world their worst nightmare is a nuclear attack we have no idea yeah what far more advanced things the the others could throw our way exactly yeah exactly and then lvp is i would say what you said no one else to really add mm -hmm. yeah the bechdel test okay i feel like it passes because of the conversations between luis and her daughter yeah I and mean, we also don't know the genders of the others, so it could be passing the whole entire time. That's actually very fair. You're yeah. Right. right. We don't even know if they have the concept of genders. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So advanced. I agree. But, yeah. Good job. No, that was mm -hmm. great. All right, let's talk about... Thank you. <laughs> what do you think of the character in the Amy Adams portrayal? I love her. I think she's really... I, the only thing that I, I I told you I get frustrated with is how could she actually tell Ian mm -hmm. what's going to happen to the, her daughter? Yeah. The, their daughter. Mm -hmm. That's the only advice I have with her. Otherwise, I think she was so brilliant and she really understands her surroundings and she can adapt well mm -hmm. and she's a master of her craft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say it's it's one I really like that they chose to have this be a female-led movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it would have changed if it was male-led, but I think it loses some of its empathy. Like, mm -hmm. this movie is science it's a mother. fiction, but it's about humanity. Yeah. That is at the core of it. And it's, yeah, about a mother and her daughter and someone who's basically always trying to do the right yeah. thing. She, also, she had a very maternal instinct from the beginning, the way yeah. she handled the others. Yeah. Yeah. There are moments, though, where I'm like, it's a lot of Amy Adams just staring into space. Mm -hmm. Give her more to say. Give her a moment. Like, I felt a bit more I was, I was actually going to say I love that none of the characters are very outspoken, mm -hmm. very loud. It's a very, I don't want to say soft movie, it's but it's, it's, an, yeah, it's, it's like very muted, like the yeah. whole thing. And I, I think it's, I think her character emotes, she doesn't have to say mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. much i think her character itself emotes i don't know i think i thought she i don't know i loved it no i, I like the well. character a lot i really really do there, I, there are moments watching it where it's like she's obviously trying to process this insane thing mm -hmm. of understanding like how time works understanding what the you know the heptapods want but there's a there was a moment where i was like just get everyone in a room and tell them hey so this is what i know so far this is what i think about time this is what i think the others want here's x y and z you know let's figure yeah. this out not that she doesn't do that per se but i wish there was a little bit less of the let me stare off into space to process what's happening to me and more just a little bit more it's interesting action. it's a movie about language and yeah. there was no but so maybe that was not on purpose then yeah You're the right. lack of like language being used in those moments everybody who's it's the everything is like yeah, everything that's done in this movie was not accidental. Mm -hmm. I really think this is one of the most detailed movies we've seen mm -hmm. in a while. Like, I never noticed that Louise's wedding ring is supposed to kind of mark the time she's in. Mm. And they hint at that at the beginning, like, when she's wearing a ring, you know, she's kind of like, it's not in the present moment. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like in her head imagining something different. Like, I don't know, there are a bunch of little kind of Easter eggs laid out. Everywhere. It's kind of like the use of like uh, an inception, Leonardo's, yeah, the, totem. uh, the totems. Yeah, I agree. 
are there too many white people? I mean, really the only people of color we have are General Shang mm-hmm. and, um, and Col- uh, Colonel Weber. Yeah. Played by Forrest Whitaker. But to be fair, there are like, well, let's say three leads in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's really Amy Adams, Renner, yeah. and Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. And that's why I wrote, I think I said, I, I think it's okay, but I'm not entirely mm. positive. And the heptapods are not, they don't even, definitely a different race. Right? Well, they don't even speak too. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's not like we have characters behind the scenes playing them either. I know. So really, like you said, the only, like the three, the main cast is essentially just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Forrest Whitaker, Amy Adams, and Jeremy Renner. So. I mean, I'll tell you what, Viola Davis can have done this role. As a, as Colonel, as a Amy Adams, Louise. So, yeah, like an older. Would it have been too, would she have been too intense? Would she have Probably. known to rein it back? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, there there are definitely different versions of this mm-hmm. movie, and I think diversity is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. I'm also not mad at the cast, though, because mm-hmm. again, I think we really only have three characters who have who play like a significant role, and I don't know. But the thing that bothers me with people don't know how to use Forrest Whitaker. Like, he is really one of the best actors around. I love it when he pops up on the screen, and I never mm-hmm. feel like he's given enough to do. You know? Yeah. I mean, his role in this movie is to be. A general but also he's like kind, kind of, of a blocker yeah, yeah yeah i don't know that's an interesting question we're unsure we're unsure uh, yeah we're unsure i would want to hear what people say mm-hmm. i'm not mad at this movie no could have been better yeah all right critical recept- reception mm-hmm. okay so according to ron tomatoes where some people you know view as gospel some don't um <laughs> The critic consensus is Arrival delivers a must-see experience for fans of thinking person sci-fi that anchors its heady themes with genuinely affecting emotion and a terrific performance from Amy Adams. I could see people, lo- critics, loving this and also really bagging on it. Actually, so 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. I couldn't really find a good negative review that mm. complained about something significant. Like some people said, you know, I don't even remember what they said. It I didn't write any down, but it, I didn't think any of them were too significant. But 82% audience score, a little lower than I would have thought. Um, do you think it was the understanding of it or just not an uninterest in the story? This could definitely be the kind of movie you go into it thinking it's one thing and it's not. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like there yeah. could be a lot of sci-fi alien fans who are like, yeah, let's go see yeah. Arrival. And then left thinking, what the fuck? <laughs> well, I think sci-fi alien fans, they would have done their research and yeah. known what this was. And this was also based on a short story, which mm-hmm. we'll get to a little bit in trivia. Yeah. So it's not like this was a, a foreign concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here are some critics critic um mm-hmm. uh some critic commentary so andrew lappin of the npr um he says arrival like the spielberg classic it aspires to uh, i didn't get that sense no uh brings the beyond to us in doing so it asks a challenging uh uh present question are we ready to teach and are we ready to learn i think really i mean that is it's kind of what is he saying like we have to like our is it time to kind of refresh our education system no, I think he's more so saying that, like, in times of conflict, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll talk about this, right? But, like, when you're kind of, it is the 11th hour, you're dealing with something so unknown, how are you going to respond? Are you going to be combative? Are you going to protect yourself? Or are you going to be ready to teach and learn? Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, Tom Schoen of Newsweek said, Arrival is grand, technically marvelous, solemn, spooky, somewhat unbelievable, and sometimes unfathomable. Mm-hmm. Who is to say alien visitation will be any different? Which... Very was true. what you were yeah. saying and even last I night when you're watching it you're like this movie could have really just gone so wrong like yeah. there's so many things that are just unbelievable and it just worked mm-hmm. 
So then I'll ask about Denis Villeneuve. Okay, so this guy did Enemy. He mm-hmm. did Prisoners, Sicario, okay. Arrival, uh, Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> <I've only seen laughs> and Dune, he's doing Dune. Oh, I don't, okay. he's not, it, he did, he did this one. I only um, saw Prisoners. Language, did this one French film that I'm forgetting the name, but it was his first film and it's really, really good. But mm. I have not seen him make a bad movie. Well, I've only seen Prisoners and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I made you watch Enemy. The one where Jake Gyllenhaal plays twist. Oh, that's right. Oh God, I was speaking. So he likes kind of the sci-fi he thriller. The he likes the twist. Yeah, yeah. For, sure. for sure. Yeah, his films do all have a twist sort of. Yeah. Of the three that I've seen. Uh-huh. And I don't, I, I really think, I mean, he's one of my, he's in the top three for me, for mm-hmm. sure, director-wise. But I don't think he, I don't know, he has yet to make a bad movie. Mm-hmm. He's yet to make a total flop. Yeah. What does that say to you? He's probably talented. I would probably that. knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's probably an artist. Yeah. <laughs> All right, should we get into Oscar? Yes. Okay, so this was the film came out twenty sixteen, so it participated in the twenty seventeen Oscars. Mm. Moonlight won Best Picture. Okay. Oh, this was the year of the flop <laughs> of the mistake. Here are the other contenders: Arrival, Fences, mm-hmm. oh, Fences. Ridge. I can't wait till we do Fences. <laughs> Hell or High Water, <sighs> Hidden Figures, La La Land, Lion, Manchester by the Sea. What a great God! That was good such year. a good year. I, I feel like that. I feel like that was our last really, really good I year. I agree, one hundred percent. There are movies mm. here that weren't even listed that should have been yeah. Um Do you think it should have gone to Moonlight? How does Arrival not win? But at the same time, how does Moonlight not win? How does Hell or High Water not even win? Like to me, I would have. Exactly. Been happy you could only give the award won. to one film. Yeah. And you know. A movie like Moonlight, you know, should be celebrated. But who... Okay, here's the thing. Moonlight was such a major cultural milestone as well. It was really mm-hmm. culturally significant. Do you think Arrival will be like the social network that we'll look at it 10 years from ago now and go, how did this not win press picture? Because I think this movie is going to age so well. Arrival will really age so well. Do you still think there's such a hype around Arrival these days? No, but I will... I the same hype that the social network still has? It's also no, because that social network is very relevant that's still true. to our time because Facebook is such a presence in our life every mm, day. That's a good question. I don't know. For me, it's just, this is a situation of you can't give an award to everyone. I mean, I think just the fact that it was such a great movie year yeah. makes me really happy. We haven't had that in a long time. All right. Well, here's, here's the real travesty. Damien Chazelle wins for La La Land for Best Director. I love La La Land. La La Land. I love, you know, I love this movie. It's La La Land was just such a, a, you know, think about it this year. It was so bright and shiny, like in comparison to this year. Thank God we had a movie like that during that time. Oh my God. Oh God. And that was, you know, Trump had just been elected. Our state, the the nation was changing. You needed Mm -hmm. something bright and happy like that. Wow. All right, well, don't try and justify this. Best actress. I love Emma Stone. She mm. seriously, I will see a movie because she's in it. Yeah. She should not have won Best Actress. Well, there's the whole thing where Amy Adams is the Leo of female yeah, actresses. she didn't even get nominated. Amy Adams didn't get, she got nominated, yeah. I think, in like everything else leading up to this, but she didn't get the Oscar. Who was uh, in her category? It was Emma Stone, Isabel Huppert for Elle, which mm-hmm. was supposedly great. Ruth Nega for Loving. Mm-hmm. Natalie Portman for Jack. You loved Loving. Yeah, I do love Loving. Yeah. And then Meryl Streep for Florence Foster Jackie. I could have done without. I mean, Natalie Portman, I loved Jackie, but I think Amy Adams should have been subbed in for Natalie Portman. But I think role. Natalie Portman was the best part of Jackie. Whereas, well, obviously she's Amy, carrying the movie, but yeah. like. I don't could you know. say the same about Amy Adams for Arrival? 
that she's the best part of the movie? No, I think the story is the best yeah. part of the movie. It's yeah. a machine where everything works. <laughs> I don't know. I just wish Emma Stone was a third man oh. the year before. We could have had someone. Else. I don't. I just don't. I don't love this cast. Just La La Land is just a movie that the Academy loves. Love you it. know, they love movies about Hollywood and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this was the year Casey Affleck won mm-hmm. Best Actor, which which I we said, don't regret. No, I seriously. I mean, every it feels like every other Best Actor win has been for someone who's doing something physical with their body, mm-hmm. or it's like a really showy performance. I, I'm, I'm very happy he won for that one. I don't regret it. Okay, some quotes. Okay. This movie, ugh. Um, Luis, the one I wrote down, I used to think that this was the beginning of your story. Memory is a strange thing. It doesn't work like I thought it did. We are so bind- bound by time, by its order. Mm. And then beautiful. this beautiful one by Ian. Like, it's mm. just so, so, I, I wonder if this was in the short story or if they, the writers added it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had my head tilted up to the stars for as long as I can remember. You know what surprised me the most? It wasn't meeting them, it was meeting you. Oh so beautiful. Romance. Oh my god. It's just and it's not it's it's just to the way that Renner delivers it. I think his voice just sounds so amazing and it's just such a I don't know. This is all when everything was coming together at the end. It was just a very powerful quote. You know what's surprising about this movie is they don't necessarily like hint at the runner mm-hmm. Amy. like you know that she's married to someone and she that she eventually has yeah a kid it's with. not a focal point but it's not the, the romance building is not a focal point of the story which yeah. i love yeah and it still doesn't feel out of left field like mm-hmm. when they get together at the end it still feels mm-hmm. like it makes sense i i have um a three you mentioned one earlier if you could see your whole life from start to finish would you change things mm-hmm. second one language is the foundation of civilization it is a glue that holds people together it's the first weapon drawn in a conflict yeah think is really really great and then finally despite knowing the journey and where it leads i embrace it and i welcome every moment of it yep oh. <laughs> was it was it nominated for any writing awards? oh god i hope so let's see it was not should have been it should have been best adapted screenplay. oh it was it was oh. i'm sorry I lied. adapted screenplay <laughs> yeah. okay good um i have a few trivia pieces it was kind of hard to find some like really like out there interesting thing so bear with me but um so the movie is based on ted chiang's short story story of your life mm-hmm. um it was initially considered to be unfilmable upon publication it took years for a production company to take a chance on it and it took a few more years on top of that to tweak the script until a studio wanted to fund the shoot um, when he saw the finished film Ch- uh, chiang really enjoyed it finding it to be both a great adaptation and a great all-around movie so it's crazy that this whole film is based on a short story, mm-hmm. not an actual novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so the second one, the original ending of Arrival saw the aliens gifting future te- uh, futuristic technologies to every country. For example, America would be given a faster-than-light spaceship, <gasps> and China would be given a high-tech life support machine. <gasps> oh, my God, of oh this time. God. That's so scary. Especially, you know what I mean, yeah. for our day and age right now. The aliens would have also uh, would also give humankind blueprints for an interstellar ship. Yeah. However, after Interstellar oh came out, God. the producers decided to change their ending, uh, seeing feeling that it was too similar to Christopher Nolan's. Wait a minute! You uh-huh. can't give humanity gifts because you cannot trust humanity. Mm-hmm. They will abuse it. I'm glad they. Didn't Which is yeah. It. So it kind of changed the whole entire film by changing yeah. the ending. Absolutely. Yeah. What this? You know what? This movie. 
everyone who saw this movie, I remember it when it came out, the mm -hmm. thing was, wow, that was such an emotional experience. It really is a story about humanity. Yeah. I think it becomes less of a story about humanity. It's a, it it like becomes that. about an exchange. It's yeah. a currency exchange, yeah, right? Exactly. Um, Adams reportedly accepted the part within 24 hours of receiving the script. Oh, who can blame So it doesn't even sound like she sounded like she auditioned. Like yeah. he, they wanted her. Oh, well, Amy Adams. I know, I know, but, but no, you know, no, I know I agree, I agree. you want to make sure that someone can kind of take on this quiet, mm -hmm. powerful role, mm -hmm. right? Um, Denis Villeneuve. Is that right? Villeneuve, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Made his screenwriter, Eric, uh, work for weeks on what Shang's wife's last words would be. So... Eric was pretty peeved when he found out that the words he was forced to rewrite over and over again weren't even <laughs> subtitled in the final cut. Um, he would have preferred not to leave the words a mystery to English-speaking audiences and is happy to translate the film's most crucial line of dialogue for anyone who asks. So his wife's, Shang, General Shang's wife's dying words were, in war, there are no winners, only widows. <gasps> Holy shit, I just got chills. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because whenever, whenever I watch the movie, I try and guess what it would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Women. What would we do without women? I swear to God. Write it and tell us because we don't know. <laughs> that was great, Shana. Yeah, that was actually Good better part. than I no, uh, remember it being. Those. Thanks, guys. All right. Let's, let's end here on, you know, what is kind of your, what you think about this movie as a whole, what do you really like? What for you is kind of at the same I mean, originally my mind would just keep going back to the score, right? Mm -hmm. But after giving it a rewatch, um, it's just i'm i would love to learn more about language and the way it's perceived and studied and understood i think mm -hmm. it's just i think it's something we should be taught more of in our education yeah. system yeah it's really really important i think as people to understand like mm -hmm. how languages impact different cultures and countries and humans and mm -hmm. it shapes the way that we are raised the way we think the way we perceive things it's mm -hmm. very I didn't, you don't really, I feel like this just made me kind of go like, oh my God, this is a very, very important like impact part of our, language. that we take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. The idea that language is the first thing drawn into conflict. And mm -hmm. if you don't have the same basis for communication as someone else, like how can you, it's just, it's, it's a pretty insane. Mm -hmm. it's pretty so, I mean, it's interesting that like, it's what, like we kind of look at English as like the universal language. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Would things be different if it was a different language? Oh, Absolutely. It's interesting. I mean, our, our, is it? So is our language very combative then, the nature of it? I don't know. I mean, they say Germans always sound. They like sound there's, there's though, but, of the, uh, but tonal, the way that their the language. Are, okay. of it are specific. Mm -hmm. I mean, French is a romance. Like, I, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, it's a good question. It's I wonder how question. the world would be if the Arab language was kind of considered the universal. Yeah. Because we, it's very, Arabic. it's a very deep, language right yeah. like we you were i think it was you who said it in lebanon when we were there you're like we think we know so many words, words but we really don't even know like the beginning of it we've only scratched the surface i mean the problem with arabic is the different dialects it's really unique in that sense like yeah a lot of languages have different dialects even here in the states are different you know mm -hmm. like um they're going to be different the people in the south are going to use different phrases and what have you than us but like it, it's such a significant thing in like people in Egypt sound very different to people in Lebanon who sound very different to people in Iraq, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's like, it's, it's hard to imagine that maybe I'm getting too nitty gritty here, but. Well, if it was more universal, it's then, more universal, but there yeah. is also like the very formal Arabic that mm -hmm. most countries can speak. They, mm -hmm. it's kind of the way that they communicate with one another. Right. Yeah. 
but it's I just keep thinking is it going to be the language or is it going to be the culture that changes things you know it's it's like it's like that who came first the chicken or the yeah. egg because which one impacts the other more I mean yes. is it the language that shapes the culture or is yeah. it the culture that shapes the language I just keep thinking about when people first arrived to the new world right before they decimated the Native Americans and they you know made an effort you know they were seeing this new culture and everything like I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in those interactions. Mm -hmm. Like, can you even imagine? I don't know why my mind just went there, but like, just kind of a clash of, of culture and language all over the world. It's really fascinating. Jad, I feel like you would know about this. Yeah. You're probably <laughs> listening. So please text us, call us, uh, tell us your yeah. thoughts. Because, I, yeah, I just feel like this is something you would be aware of or have some ideas about. Exactly. Shout out. All right, so here's my, my kind of final thought on this film is I'm happy to say that each time I watch this movie, I like it more and more. I really It's something I go, why don't that. I watch this more often? Yeah. yeah. But I just love the idea that there are so many ideas that it balances and it does it so well. You know, like the idea of language and how that relates to unity. Mm -hmm. How, why are we so scared of the unknown and why are we so quick to just want to defend and protect and become combative? And then finally, like the last ideal, which I'm such a sucker for is basically, you know, having enough time with the people you love. Like we talked about it in Looper, but how you just never, even if you have a different perception of time, you just never have enough time with the people you love, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh God. It really gets to me, Jenna. It really does. <laughs> just very emotional these days. I really am. <laughs> it's the holidays, people. It's getting to her. And if there's one thing I'm going to complain about, aside from what I already complained about, I understand that, Denis, you like the gray tones. It's very dark. It's a little too dark. <laughs> but I think it, it, it's, it's, it has to be that way for this film. Honestly, so you can yeah. see, like, the contrast of, like, mm -hmm. you, it's, it's really great when, like, Amy goes into the pod and you see the contrast of, like, her white vest and her... Well, I also think it's just hair. so that nothing overpowers the, the language. The focus of this film is communication language. Yeah. Like, you don't want anything to overshadow the points mm -hmm. that they're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he likes, Denis likes the mm -hmm. color scheme. Prisoners had kind of a dark tonal... Oh God, it was so dark. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We're done with my series. Wow. We did it. We did it. Yep. Okay. So now that you've watched all four, mm -hmm. which was your favorite viewing experience? Oh God. Okay. So what did we start out with? It feels so Gone long. Girl. Gone Girl. <laughs> <laughs> what was after Gone Girl? And Knives Out. Knives Out. And then we did How to Marry a Millionaire and Arrival. I think it was Arrival. And oh, being my favorite. We ended with a punch. Yeah really did it's so happy good. thanksgiving folks yeah i just love all of them they're all so different they're all so different what was your but, favorite i mean i really like i think each film is kind of honestly you know what's great about each movie is you really ask yourself what would i do and if i was in this position like in gone girl if my husband was cheating on me would i frame him for my murder <laughs> probably you identify with her so much for some reason another amy amazing amy i don't identify stop saying that word I can understand her. <laughs> you can understand how she got that far. <laughs> you know, in Knives Out, would I let someone kill, kill themselves, themselves to, to cover protect up me? You probably yeah. wouldn't. In How to Marry a Millionaire. But I mean, she really thought he was going to die. Yeah. In How to Marry a Millionaire, if my only option was to marry someone wealthy, would I sacrifice my values to do so? And then in Arrival, would I talk to aliens? Would I put myself in this position or would I say no? I think you would. I think you're a very empathetic person. I would say that about you as well. 
Yeah. I think that's just kind of. But in different ways. Empathy is like the trip, the trendy new thing to have. And so mm-hmm. we're all trying to. <laughs> so amazing, isn't it? <laughs> all right, Shana. Well, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We're going to take a week break. Yes, we are. In between blocks. Uh, Sada also has, uh, she's working on her thesis, you guys. And she's almost done. She's going to be a master's graduate before we know it. So yeah, this this week break will help her kind of wrap up things in her life. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have some free time after, huh? Well, I'm going to be off the last two weeks of December. No, but then like, what are you doing once you finish your master's? You're going to keep working in the lab? I'll be working in the lab and stuff. But like, not like when I come down here, I have to schedule a time to hang out with you. I won't be Tiang. Wow. I've loved it. I've always loved Tiang, but like, it's draining so much of my time. Yeah. Yeah. And you started the quarter saying it's going to be easy. Because I've TA'd this class before. But it, it's, it's, it's all in the online format for a class. It's exhausting. Like is the worst. Thing you have ever. to be, what's nice about being in person is little things end up wasting time and you don't realize it. And when you're all online, it's yeah. like, you're just constantly, you have to fill up every minute. Yeah. But this class specifically, when I TA'd it, like I was in person and we, I, every, every day we just draw it on the board together. Mm. And you, this is a kind of class where you need to see the students understand whether or not How they're they reacting. Yeah. yeah. And it's on zoom when I'm only seeing myself, like, and I can't draw anything out. It really, it's really just, Ugh. it sucks. But, but we're going to take a week off. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back with, what did you decide? Gear block? Or are we going into foreign or black culture? What do you want to do? Oh God. <laughs> I think let's do black culture. All right. Oh, all right. Yeah, and then we'll go into my block, and that then we'll do good. foreign film after that. Okay, perfect. If you guys don't like that, let us know. Right in. <laughs> before we end, before we end, we want to apologize. No, oh, Mario, let's do that. <laughs> I've been on Sada's ass all weekend to get this episode dropped by Friday. It's, it's we're dropping it Saturday. We're <laughs> so sorry. Uh, but I do want to point out that this is probably going to be our best audio ever because we're recording literally in a closet. Yeah. So, you know, we're, it's a trade-off, all right, people? <laughs> okay. Now, shut this off if you don't want to hear it. I want to do two minutes with Jenna on The Bachelor. Oh, God. Okay, actually. Oh, right. Oh, because this week was actually good. All right, go okay. ahead. Go ahead. Give me your thoughts. I, I mean, I, I'm really happy they put these... Uh, these important i mean the shit that like the minimum that we have to like beg for it was nice that it was on tv but i mean it's also very heartbreaking especially when you hear taisha talking about how the conversation that she had with ian about you know blm and covid ivan everyone's name is ian you know we watched big fat greek wedding this weekend (laughs) the guy was named ian Arrival, Ian. I, I apologize. <laughs> Ivan, um, she was talking about how her whole life living in Orange County, which is where we live, mm-hmm. um, she's hasn't seen a lot of people that look like her, especially, you know, yeah. a, a biracial black woman, and how she's been trying her whole life to kind of change herself to fit in mm-hmm. with her community. And then it ended up being that the same people in her backyard, which is interesting in Orange County, because yeah. we look at it as a very conservative place. They were the ones who kept who were cheering black lives matter not cheering yeah. but you know yelling uh marching black lives matter black lives matter so that was i think we can especially understand because like we grew up in orange county mm-hmm. and we're not we're not black obviously but being middle eastern and like going to a high school where everybody is white like mm-hmm. my friends are iranian and yeah like it was like the three of us like yeah. dealing with all these like very white people yeah. <laughs> but yeah you get it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's it's uh it's a different world. You can understand kind of how she felt. Yeah. Um, 
that you have to change yourselves to fit in, mm-hmm. which is even what we were, we almost moved to fun fact. We almost moved to Salt Lake city. And I remember when we were there, we were working with a realtor to find a home. And the realtor said like, this is a very white place. Yeah. If your girls aren't into sports or things like that, they're not going to fit in here. Mm-hmm. We would have really felt it there. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Here, yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I always forget about the almost move to Salt Lake City. We picked a really cool house. Mine had like a secret like doorway into like a little like attic. Yeah. And then yours had like your room would have had like a ladder with like a little mm-hmm. like area over your bed. That's very so, cute. Yeah. What could have been? Could have been. Wow. We could have been soccer players. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I agree. Mm. The conversation was great. But, and while I like Tasia a lot more after this episode, I just know she's going to disappoint us because the two other guys she's really into are Ben and Zach. And she, I don't like conversations Zach. are about nothing. And they just, I, I really don't like Ben or Zach. I've decided, I've decided last week I said 90 something percent of me is on Ben's side. Mm. And this week I don't like Ben. And mm. I never liked Zach. It's, it's the same old bullshit of, I need you to show up for me. And, you know, you didn't ask to talk to me at the cocktail party and, you know, and I just, do you feel like you're going to stop? I feel like we're kind of getting to the point of where like, we're kind of just overwatching this. Yeah. I'm going to watch Matt James season, but I'm kind of like, I feel like we're kind of nearing the end. Mm -hmm. I didn't think this day would come. I didn't think so either. We dedicated a lot of time to this. I mean, we gave up on one voucher podcast this week. We did. Saad and I make decisions together. <laughs> well, I had actually decided I was kind of already done. I just didn't feel the need to call and tell her that I'm done. <laughs> so we'll see where, where the bachelorette takes us. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on that? No, I like, I think I, I, I feel like when Rachel Lindsay was the bachelorette, like it was, it's, there was much more of a cause that was felt like coming from, you know yeah. what I mean? It was much more at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And then Tasha, I feel, at first I was like, she's kind of not addressing the fact that she's black yeah. very often, but then we still, and then we, and she surprised me. We had a very powerful moment with her conversation and she said to herself, she's like, I didn't want to get into any of this. Yeah. 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 I'm really so curious she's, about. I feel like she has kind of ended up being a leader and. Oh, no, she yeah. More. Yeah. She, she, I've always felt like Tasha has depth, which I know mm-hmm. is an ironic word to use when describing this. <laughs> but that she's she's always you can tell she knows what not to say, mm-hmm. like in terms because like a lot of people watch. She the plays the game well with the producers, yeah. Very very um, very conservative and mm-hmm. very white, and so she knows what she can and can't say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious about Matt James. Mm-hmm. On one hand, they shouldn't need to constantly make aware yeah you know i'm black yeah on the other hand though you you should be talking about i want to hear you talk about things that are important yeah i really can't sit through another conversation of you're so cute please break down your walls like, yeah. <laughs> i need you to be vulnerable with me it's just not interesting television we've had mm-hmm. it for 20 years i'm over it she just waved her hand like an italian <laughs> mother <laughs> all right highlight of the week it was thanksgiving it was Thanksgiving. My it was God. Thanksgiving. Finally. Yeah. So that was really nice. It was actually a very nice Thanksgiving. It was a very nice Thanksgiving. The food, our the cousins came. was spectacular. Mm-hmm. The sides were a little bit lacking in something, no? Our mom doesn't listen to this, thank no. God. But yeah, it wasn't the <laughs> it same wasn't je ne sais quoi. There was a little something, something off. A little something missing. It, yeah. Your potatoes dried out because mom put them in the oven. They were so creamy. I tried them before they went in the oven. Yes! I was trying food like all day long. <laughs> it was And the, the gravy, there wasn't enough gravy. She didn't make enough gravy. And she added mushrooms this year. It was weird. Yeah, totally oh. <laughs> 
I wanted things doused in gravy and then your buns. <laughs> I know, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I tried to make... I've made fresh bread before, and it is damn good if I say so myself. Mm-hmm. I tried she didn't to make activate the rolls yeast correctly. this year, and the yeast didn't work. And so I'm looking at these rolls as they're supposed to prove, and they're not proving at all. They're, they're Literally, you size. would put them on your plate, and your plate would drop if you're holding it. They were so dense. The flavor was good. But I like clear, them. clear, they just did not puff up the way they were supposed to. What a disaster. What a disaster. My highlight of the week. Mm. I don't know if I talked to you about this. I watched Footloose. Oh, you did. You brought this up with our cousins. It's only about dancing. Yes. I want our audience to know this. They probably know. There's no deeper meaning. And I want someone to tell me if I'm wrong. I was... Well, we're not dancers. We don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the movie ended and they're still dancing. And I said, wait a second. Will you just let people be happy? Does everything have to be depressing and you have to pay attention the whole time? We've talked about this. People sit in a room and and I'm all for a lighthearted movie. I love that. I really do. She loves Stardust. But, but I mean, you don't, we can't have like some sort of message. It's the whole movie is about reversing a law that prohibits people from dancing. Let the people dance is the message. <laughs> I just couldn't believe my eyes. I really could. But I just want people to know. That was your highlight that. of the week? Yeah, yeah. It was a real shock for me. <laughs> oh, I see. I guess highlight of the week doesn't have to be a positive thing. No, no, no. It was, it was a moment. It was, it was okay. something I felt like I needed to talk to people about. I see. I didn't shop at all this Black Friday. You didn't. I told her. I told her I'd give her a little bit of money if she wanted to. I told her I'd give her seven seven dollars. It's not. It's not <laughs> that I don't have it. Just you know, I should be saving. She's like an addict, though. All day yesterday, I saw her pull up her computer. She's <laughs> typing in websites and she's just looking. I'm just looking. I was like, would a just... drug addict take out cocaine and just look at it? <laughs> I'm just looking, but I can't bring myself to spend it. <laughs> the craziest. I've never. You. Every time I see this girl, she's in something new, and she goes, "What this? I bought this years ago." <laughs> I've never seen anything like it in my life. Oh. And yet, and yet, she, she. Uh... She, she pulled it off. Like if you didn't eat out or get your nails done or do those kinds of things, I would say, yeah. What do you have to spend money I, on? It's no, that? it's no, it's like that. I can do all of those things and still have saved a ton. It's a shopping <laughs> that really sets me back. <laughs> oh, well, that was oh, also an important thing. What we need an outro. We did a new intro for you guys. But we don't have an outro. I like our awkward goodbyes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's because by the end of the podcast, we've gotten into our groove, so it's less awkward. I'm always frazzled when we start. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the audio. Yes. Uh, Sato was sweating before we started this. She thought the closet was hot, but I feel like it cooled down. It cooled down a bit. My feet are cold. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, guys. Do we need to talk about my sweat before? It was all over her lip. (laughs) (laughs) That is not fair. Anyways, we hope you all had a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. Um. Wear a mask. Times are wild. Yeah. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. Be kind, as Leila would say. <laughs> Be kind to one another, as Ellen DeGeneres would say. And then she oh, goes Jesus off and Christ. attacks her crew. Oh. All right, guys. Bye. All right, well, this is it. This is it.